Mi amor, you still mad at me? No me toques! Pero baby, please, perdóname que we talk No about. quiero hablar contigo! Pero mi amor, ¿cómo arreglamos el Oh todo? my God, no te soporto! ¡Me da asco! You don't let me talk to you. Déjame hablar contigo. ¿Cómo voy a arreglar el problema? Tú sí que eres bien estúpido. ¿Sabes eso? Estúpido. Man. En verdad, tú me caes súper mal, Juan. I don't know what I did wrong and you're over here screaming at me. Bájame el tonito de voz. No sabes lo que tú hiciste, Juan. No te hagas el loco. Listen, listen. I'm being serious. I don't know what I did wrong. Pues tú no me conoces. If you don't know what you did wrong, You don't know me. Esta mujer es más complicada. Uno trata de hablar. Oh, ahora no soy complicada. ¿Qué? Tengo hambre. Ponte a guiar. ¿Qué tú quieres de comer? Now you're gonna ask me what I want to eat? <laughs> Welcome back to Inane, the podcast that has no point. And this week is no different. Last week before my break, I'm sure some of you probably uh, need a break from me. So I'm doing you a favor. You're welcome. So this morning, one of the first things that pops up on my news feed, Demi Lovato has announced that she's identifying as non-binary now and prefers the pronoun they, them. How that's news is anyone's guess, but I thought, all right, whatever, good for her. I mean them. Wait, them? Is it, It's them, right? <laughs> what the hell? It's like it's two people. And this non-binary thing. What is she, like a code of script or something? Let's say, you know, <laughs> she's, an, she's an app now, apparently. And two of them, they, them. What the hell, man? Not for nothing. But I think she might be completely batshit crazy now. I mean, completely. If there was a 1% chance that she was stable, that's gone. And can we call this what it is? Kids craving attention? It, this is like not having enough to complain about. So you invent something that's sure to cause conflict. So that you can be, you know, fake outraged. And I don't care if, in like, let's say in three years... When this chick is completely irrelevant, because she's going to be irrelevant at some point, I'm still going to refer to her as them just to piss people who might still be a fan of hers off. She said it. I'm going to make her eat it. Everyone can remember just what total fucking tools they were. Ugh. Spent last weekend in the mountains with my buddies. And we try to make a couple trips a year. We used to do this all the time. We'd do a man trip uh, weekend. Give the wives a break. Give us a chance to behave like children, you know, children who drink. And, you know, I don't care how old we all get. We still act like teenage boys. Laugh at the same stupid shit. We do dumb stuff like playing golf in the woods with lob wedges and willful golf balls. We talk about the five key ingredients for life. You know, beer, food, sports, women, sex, and curse a lot. We used to do what we do a camping trip. In the late spring or early summer, then we'd visit our friend's cabin on a separate trip. And sometimes, you know, we'd, every, everybody would come, the wives and everything. In the winter, we'd rent this big place, you know, play in the snow, maybe do some skiing. It was a tradition for a long time. But that, you know how it gets. Life gets complicated. People start families. 
it gets difficult to organize that stuff. And the wives just started losing interest in it. So it became a once a year solo camping trip. And that was it. I don't know what it is. You know, women by and large do not like to camp in a tent. If you find a woman who actually does enjoy, you know, sharing a tent in the woods, you know, with, of course, with the suitable air mattress, high quality sleeping bags, lots of warm blankets. If you can get her to, to, to head out in a tent, marry her. There is nothing better than sharing the experience of the great outdoors with somebody, especially if it's your partner. So we were in our friend's cabin this weekend. I shouldn't say cabin. It's a damned house. Like members of his family actually lived in it for years. Now it's a getaway, you know. And we weren't at super high elevation. It was like 5,500 feet, something like that. Weather was perfect. Mid-60s during the day, low 40s at night. Lots of fun shit during the day because you can do whatever you want. But at night, well, these guys are into the whole poker thing, which I'm not into. So I sit it out. But these fucking guys play for five hours straight. For me, it's, it's the gambling thing. I'm not into gambling. I love playing cards. Five card, Texas Hold'em, Blackjack, all that shit. It's when you start gambling with money that it becomes stressful for me. And I don't care how much money we're talking. 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 5 bucks, doesn't matter. If money's on the line, something clicks inside my head and it just becomes full-blown anxiety, not fun. Years ago, I had the guys playing with chips, no buy-in, right? And the dude with the most chips at the end of two hours of poker won. He didn't win anything other than bragging rights. But something happened along the way with these guys, and they started refusing to play unless money was on the line. I think for me, it harks back to my upbringing. Like, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. In fact, my mom was on welfare for a while. So maybe the idea of gambling with money for the sheer joy of it, like a sport, it's like a mortal sin to me or something. Who knows? I'd see a shrink about it if I actually gave a shit. Ask me if I give a shit. I'll play the stock market, no problem. But I'm not doing that for fun. I'm doing that so I have something to live off of when I get old. But man, I've been to some of these poker nights just to hang out with the guys. I'll see these guys getting wiped out. Then they'll put a $100 bill on the table to buy back in. I'm like, you dudes have a gambling addiction issue. I did do something this time out there that I don't do very often. I took off on a hike with uh, my digital SLR and a macro lens. And I shot pictures of the tiniest plants I could find. I mean, I shot little flowers that were smaller than like half a dime. I have one of the best macro lenses too. Sony makes some really decent lenses with good glass, but it's the focusing distance of this thing that blows me away every time I use it. Like I'm literally right on top of stuff and it focuses clearly. The only problem when you're shooting that close is that you've got to dial down the aperture on your macro lens or you'll end up with a soft image. And if you don't know how this works, the higher the f-stop on your lens, the smaller the aperture. So F11 through F32 uh, will give you super crisp images. The smaller the aperture, the crisper your image gets. So if you're far enough away from your subject, the entire image will become sharper and you'll have less depth of field. But in a macro setting, because you're so close to the subject, it will only make your subject crisper and you'll still retain decent bokeh, which is you know, when your subject is in focus but the background is not. 
So when shooting with a macro lens, you want to crank that lens to f11 or smaller to keep things sharp. Like I said, you're still going to get depth of field, you know, good bokeh, because you're so close to the subject. So don't worry about it. You just want everything that you're close to to have less depth and, you know, more crispness. And that's a pro tip for you. I'll tell you something else. Once you start shooting like something like this and you see how cool it looks, it becomes like a drug and I'm hunting for the next thing to shoot. And it really does make you admire the mystery of nature. There's this whole ecosystem in the forest living on its own, hoping that moisture will come and feed it. And for the most part, they're unprotected. I shot a budding flower that had spikes all around it. And that's the plant's defense mechanism to keep birds or other small creatures off of them. Very cool. And it was just a really nice way to settle my brain a little bit. I had fun. Yeah, the Stanley Cup playoffs started. If you're not into hockey, watch a Stanley Cup playoff game. There is so much drama and fast-paced action, you won't stop watching. Like sports is like reality television, the original reality TV. Everything is on the line in these games. They play a best of seven set, right? So you got to win four out of seven. So you can lose a couple games and still get through, but it's soul crushing when you lose a hockey game because these guys have to work so damn hard at it. And the games can't end in a tie. If it's tied after three periods, they play more periods until someone scores. I've seen some games go to four or five overtimes. Like a regular game will gas these guys. Imagine that these guys are skating two games worth of periods in a single night, then 48 hours later have to play another game. That might go into overtime. And if you don't have a cable package that offers hockey, you can watch condensed versions of games on the NHL app. It's available for Apple TV, Fire Stick, Roku, whatever you have. And then you can turn scores off in settings so you won't know who won. So there's suspense there for you. And even watching the condensed version of a game is exciting because they cut out all the bullshit and just give you the action. The whole hockey season was kind of weird this year. You know, teams played within their division, and that was it. Canadian teams played only against Canadian teams, so they didn't have to cross the border, which, look, like I think it was probably great for Canadian hockey fans to see this big all-Canada hockey tournament this year, but only four teams made it out of there, and they still have to play each other until one team's left. So Canada... They might have had two decent teams that might have made it deep into the playoffs, but we'll never know because of the COVID restrictions. So they have to duke it out until there's one team left standing, which I hope is Toronto. It's my friend Sue's up there, and uh, I think they could use the good news. And I don't have a problem rooting for the Leafs. Chez Panis turns 50 this year. If you don't know what that is, it's a restaurant in San Francisco run by Alice Waters, that serves really simple food, but super pretentious. Like, everything's organic. That's the shtick. But don't call it a shtick to her face, because she's a fucking terrorist about this whole organic thing. When I first discovered the the whole uh, uh, slow food movement, which started in Italy, by the way, if you didn't know, I was down with this whole thing, the organic thing. I was preaching about it. Sure, it's a little more expensive to eat organic foods, but it's healthier. There's no bug spray on that shit, so you're not consuming poison. I was all about it. Then I started to read a little more, 
got some education, talked to a lot of farmers and growers who weren't buying into the whole notion. Like, are there benefits? Sure. Is it worth paying close to a dollar or two pounds, um, uh, you know, $2 more a pound over what you'd normally pay for something? Like, you know, lettuce or an apple or something like that? Hell no. Rye became irritated with waters, with the prices that she was charging for like really simple stuff. Beet and goat cheese salad, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 bucks. Get the fuck out of here with that. Dinner for two without drinks. It's going to cost you anywhere between $125 and $300. On top of that, there's a 17% service charge tacked onto your meal, which doesn't count as gratuity. You still need to tip your waiter on top of that. Come on. Now, Bourdain hated her, called her Pol Pot. He got into it with her on stage once. She was going on and on about how wonderful organic farm-raised tomatoes were and how it was a chef's responsibility to make sure that his or her customers were eating the healthiest food available. Bourdain said, that's not my responsibility as a chef. My responsibility is to feed you, give you a good time, and if everything goes right, maybe help you get laid, facilitate that. That's my responsibility as a chef. That shut her right the fuck up. That whole organic thing. Just started to seem like a way to bilk people out of money and then line the government's pockets in the process because of how expensive it is to become certified organic. You know, if you want to be a grower, oh, my God, it'll put you in the poorhouse. It's like a cult. I started noticing this in the supermarket. See if you can spot this next time you're in the produce section. Organic stuff is usually now in the front and center. If you want the regular stuff, you got to keep walking. The expensive stuff is put up in front. A lot of people don't notice this, right? They see the broccoli right up front, put it in a bag and go. They get charged, you know, four or five bucks a pound for it. Don't realize it just got built for an extra two bucks a pound because they didn't keep walking towards the back where the cheap stuff is. Whole Foods does this. And that's why I kind of stopped shopping there. And sometimes they, they won't even sell non-organic stuff. If you want beets, you better buy these or you're shit out of luck. And we don't care if you can't afford it. Hey, did you hear that? Listen. That's Matt Gates shit in his pants. <laughs> Joel Greenberg, Gates' is a good buddy, pleaded guilty to six federal charges this week. He admitted to a judge that he uh, knowingly solicited and paid a minor for sex basically ended up a plea deal. And if you think that's nothing, you got to remember, there were 33 other federal charges this guy was facing, and they dropped him. It's like identity theft, fraud, bribery, uh, all kinds of nasty shit. Where this goes south for Gates is that Greenberg has agreed to give these prosecutors all the help they want. He'll testify at trials, grand juries, and the real kicker, he's got a shit ton of documents handing it all over. So grab your ankles, Matty boy. Here come the choo-choo train, right up your ass. <laughs> and the bottom fell out on Bill Gates this past week too, didn't it? It's not enough that this guy's wife filed for a divorce a couple weeks ago, but now we're starting to find out exactly why. Dude's a fucking cheater and a total skeeve. Microsoft had to release a statement. Oh, this was rich. Microsoft received a concern in the latter half of 2019 that Bill Gates sought to initiate an intimate relationship with a company employee in the year 2000. 
a committee of the board reviewed the concern, aided by an outside law firm, to conduct a thorough investigation. Throughout the investigation, Microsoft provided extensive support to the employee who raised the concern. Of course, Microsoft is covering this up, right? As carefully as they can. You know someone signed an NDA and got a hefty settlement. Uh, there was an affair almost 20 years ago, which ended amicably. <laughs> Bill's decision to transition off the board was in no way related to this matter. In fact, he had expressed an interest in spending more time on his philanthropy starting several years earlier. Oh yeah, bullshit. She probably turned him down because the thought of his wrinkly dick in her mouth made her want to hurl and jump out a window. You know they paid her off to keep her mouth shut. Left the board amicably. Give me a break. Bill, that just cost us five million. Time for you to go. You want to pay for sex, do it outside the building. What a stunard. Did he think you could actually get away with that? Who's he think he is, Woody Allen? At least Woody had a personality. He could charm his way into a girl's pants. What's your talent? You look like a troll, and you're dull. Money's not everything, dude. And here's another tip for you, in Italian, an old phrase. Nun congiare dove mangi. More simply put, don't shit where you eat. All right? Every workplace affair ends poorly. I've had that opportunity thrown at me twice, two separate companies I was at, years and years and years ago. I'm not the cheating type, so there's no way in hell that was going to happen, even though the second one, had I been single, would have been really something, but still, we work together. No fucking way am I ever doing that. I don't care if I'm single or desperate. Either I quit or you quit, then we can do it, as long as no one's involved with anybody else. Which just shows what an ego-driven motherfucker Bill Gates is. I gave the man credit for so long, too. I love the things he did, admired the stuff he did at Microsoft, but I do not like cheaters, especially cheaters who think because of their fame or their position or their wealth can just eke their way in between someone's legs. Got to work at it. Speaking of arrogant pricks, did you see the video Ricky Schroeder posted of him accosting a Costco employee over having to wear a mask in the store? He's such a tone-deaf piece of shit. He had no idea how dumb this was going to make him look, but he posted it anyway. Here's a bit of it. I suggest everybody in California get their refund from Costco. Give up your membership to Costco. Didn't you see the news? You didn't see the news. Nationwide, nationwide Costco has said you don't need to wear a mask. Actually, that's not accurate. What is accurate? So what is accurate is that Costco always goes above and beyond when following the law. And the mandate in California has not changed. There does seem to be the possibility that in June, by mid-June, that's a date that California I know oh, if is they allow at. us, if they, if they grant us that, our kings, the people in power, you're going to listen to these people? So the CDC says last week that they're recommending to states that if someone's fully vaccinated... They should no longer be required to wear a mask indoors or outdoors. Then Costco headquarters issues a statement that they're recommending this to stores within states that have no mandatory mask law. Now listen to that last line, Ricky. Within states that have no mandatory mask law. California has not yet lifted that mandate. June 15th, they said. So hold your horses. I couldn't find the whole video. I looked for it. 
But apparently, he went at this guy and exposed himself as one of these people who are blaming the government for everything. They've ruined our economy. They're taking away our freedoms. The kings are telling us what to do. And don't get me wrong, okay? California is completely fucked. I mean, it suffers from bad leadership, and it's driving the state right into the ground. And people are leaving in droves. We're taxed to the bejesus. But this whole mask mandate thing is important until it's safe enough not to be required. And we're not quite there yet. Next month. And hey, Ricky, maybe if a lot of people in our country had taken this thing seriously from the very beginning and followed the suggestions of scientists and the people who knew what they were talking about, instead of calling it a hoax and going out in public maskless and partying on top of each other, it wouldn't have gone to the point where state officials had to step in and tell you what to do because they're trying to save lives and slow the number of people who end up on ventilators. We're bum-rushing every ICU in the state. But he ended up apologizing to this guy. But the damage was done. And I caught this on Twitter, ABC7 here in Los Angeles. You should have seen the comments. Ricky who? Every other tweet. Ricky, who, who's this guy? Like, this guy's such a has-been actor that no one even remembers who he is or what shows he was on. Just another full-of-himself child celebrity from yesteryear who thinks he can do whatever he wants because he refuses to let the government tell him what to do. When all they're trying to do is keep people safe. Like, I wonder if he'd have had a problem. If some Joe Schmo had walked, you know, onto one of his sets from the street just to watch him work. You think he'd have been okay with that? Hell no, get the fuck out of here. You're not allowed in here. It's not safe. He'd have security all over him. Hey, why can't they just walk onto the studio lot there, Ricky? Why, it's against the rules? You don't feel safe? Free country, Ricky. Go fuck yourself. This is why numbers got out of hand, you pompous dick. Because you feel like you're being oppressed by government. They're only trying to keep you safe because that's part of their job. Just go back to your hole and disappear. No one cares, you dope. I'm serious. Look at how South Korea handled this crisis. I found a study online. It was impressive. Super long. So there's a quick synopsis here. I mean, this thing went pages. They were able to flatten the curve quickly without having to close businesses or issue stay-at-home orders or implement any of these other, you know, strict things that we've had to do until late 2020. All right. It achieved the success because they, you know, had these clear guidelines that they gave to the public. They did comprehensive testing, contact tracing, and then they supported people who were in quarantine to make the compliance easier. I mean, they managed big outbreaks in March and August of last year and gradually gained control of, you know, this other giant outbreak in December. Overall, they showed success over three phases of preparedness and built this response framework that had uh, started with detection, containment, and treatment. All right. So in short, it's a three-part strategy, detect, contain, and treat. So here we go. Detect. South Korea built innovative, high-capacity screening facilities and worked closely with the private sector to ensure an adequate supply of tests from the onset of the pandemic. The country maintains approximately 600 screening and testing centers and 150 diagnostic laboratories with capacity reaching 110,000 tests as of November 2020. Contain. South Korea isolated infected patients, increased compliance by supporting those in quarantine, 
and traced contacts with unusual thoroughness. Hundreds of intelligence officers were deployed for these tracing efforts and empowered to use a wide variety of data sources, including credit card transactions and closed-circuit television footage. Well, that part sounds like they're spying on people. Not sure what to think about that, but whatever. At least they're not dead. Okay, treat. The health system surged to meet demand, especially in Daegu, the site of a large cluster of infections in March of 2020. An additional 2,400 health workers were recruited in Daegu alone. Across the country, the government restructured the hospital system, built temporary hospitals to increase capacity, and addressed shortages of PPE through centralized government purchasing. Now just imagine if we'd been that proactive instead of whining like a bunch of babies about how the scientists are trying to pull the wool over our eyes so they can control us. That's the difference. South Korea cares about its people and the people care about one another. More importantly, they trust the people who are hired to keep them safe. We do not because, well, America. And even though the government now is literally begging people to get vaccinated, after we poured billions of dollars into this program, we're giving it away for free. We still have a high enough percentage of people who refuse to believe that this is real and will never reach herd immunity. It boggles my mind how fucking short-sighted people can be, not to mention selfish. Ugh. I'm not sure if I mentioned this previously or not. I think I did. But my garden got way out of hand this year. I let it go last summer Never really maintained it over the winter into the spring. It was a real mess. Like, it never looked worse. It was trashy. It was embarrassing. It was the Sanford and Sons of gardens. You know, COVID made me lazy. I had a hard time getting motivated to clear it out and and do the work. It was going to be a lot of work. I knew it. And it turned out to be a lot of work. I wanted to make it look good again. So I eventually did it. And my buddy Mark gave me this material to help me keep the weeds away. And so... Thanks to him for that. I managed to make it look about as good as it's ever looked. Anyway, I decided not to plant tomatoes or anything that critters would come and eat. So I stuck to root vegetables and herbs. And let me tell you something. If you plant anything and you, you, know, you like to cook with herbs, plant some herbs. It's only been about a month. And already my rosemary, basil, cilantro, mint, sage, and parsley have gone off. I water a few times a week. They don't take much. And they're all three to four times the size that they were when I planted them. You know how it goes. You buy herbs in the market, right? You need a little for a dish you're making. You spend a dollar or two, you use it, then it sits in your crisper drawer until it dives. Unless you cook with it again before it does. But you've got like a week, maybe two weeks. But this is great. I need a little, I go out, take what I need. It'll be there for me when I need it again. They don't take a lot of water. The critters want nothing to do with them. It looks and smells nice. Below ground, I got potatoes and some beets going. Maybe this fall or winter, I'll do carrots or parsnips or something. It's fun. I've done this for years, but this is the first year I only did herbs. But now I've got a lot more than I normally plant. It's manageable. And I don't miss having to, like, murder stuff. I don't have to place out traps because they're coming for my tomatoes. If I need tomatoes, I'll go buy some tomatoes. It's not going to cost me a fortune. Yeah, anyway. I'm not sure how entertaining this has been. Or if I even made a point. I think a few weeks away will recharge me for sure. Maybe it'll mellow me out. I won't be so angry. I wish you all the best. I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. 
Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys all next time. Salud.